Song will be read by the congregation anthophonically by Holbert's beginning at the lecture. Sorry. You have been gracious to your land, O Lord. You have restored the good fortune of David. You have
a reading from the second letter of Peter. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all of these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in lending lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire? But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. The word of the Lord.
The story begins not with Jesus' birth. Mark crafts the story by reminding us that any story begins in the past and involves people and events from the past which shape the present, even as we start to look forward. Think for a moment about your own story, your own family. There is always, for good or for ill, people and events which have profoundly influenced and impacted your life. As much as we may resist this idea, because we like to think of ourselves as free agents, right? As independent actors in charge of our own decisions. There are, in fact, family systems and patterns from which we cannot easily escape. These systems, sometimes abusive, or illnesses, or expectations, financial circumstances, and other factors, these things profoundly affect who we are and what we are able to do with our lives. Our history shapes us. Memories and events, people and stories affect how we see the world and understand ourselves. We have ways of dealing with this reality, some healthier and more helpful than others, to be sure. Therapy, 12-step groups, exercise, meditation, prayer, giving back to others. All these things are tools of managing the stresses and the gifts of our complicated lives with our families in our own particular circumstances. I'm a big believer in all these things, and even the others I have not thought of or named. And we are blessed, all of us, to live in a time and in a place where resources are widely available when we want to work on the things in our lives that are painful. And Trinity Church has its story and its history which I'm just beginning to learn the tiniest little bits about. And I have my story, and all of the stuff that made me who I am to stand here before you today. And no doubt, as those stories intersect, it's not always going to go smoothly. So luckily for you, I believe in therapy. <laughs> and prayer. Okay? All will be well. The church, church with a capital C, also embraces another word, which doesn't make our Episcopal list quite as quickly or easily. In today's Gospel for Mark, hear it again. John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Repentance. In Matthew's version of this story, he has John say the words much more urgently in the imperative. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven has come near! Repent. In the Greek, the word is metanoia, to change one's mind, 
others and ourselves can be forgiven. The patterns and systems of which we are complicit can begin to be healed and transformed by naming them and repenting. The trespasses of others against us, these too can begin to be healed and transformed when we repent and forgive others. When we open our hearts and our minds to see others as just like us, frail human creatures in need of repentance and forgiveness. When we allow our minds to be changed, to be made new, trusting in God's promise that we are forgiven when we repent and when we forgive others, we're free. Free to have hope. Hope for the future John proclaims to those who came to him to be baptized. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Advent is primarily a season of repentance and hope. But repentance is not just about words. Action is required. Not only are we people caught in our family stories and systems, but as a community and as a nation, we are complicit in systems which oppress people of different races, people of different faiths, people who suffer hunger, poverty, and discrimination. The clay feet of our elected leaders are revealed daily in the news. Sexual harassment, greed, and arrogance are seemingly everywhere, and it is distressing. I feel powerless most of the time to do anything to change the direction we seem to be moving in our common life as a nation. So I'm actually comforted today with John's reminder that we need to repent. We need to repent with our words and with our actions. We've been given this gift of repentance and forgiveness, which leads to hope. As people of faith, we know there is forgiveness, and we know there is a call to embodied action. And we know that because Jesus came to us as a person, as a real person, in a real body. So we know that our ministries also involve our actual selves, our actual bodies. We also know that our Lord is coming back to judge the living and the dead. So even if we're already dead when he comes back, we still will stand before the judgment seat. <coughs> We know from the prophet Isaiah that a straight path is being made through the wilderness, a highway for our God. Uneven ground will be made level, and the rough places a flat plain. I think you can envision that literally as well as metaphorically. God will arrive triumphant, the glory of the Lord revealed to all. A king and a shepherd. 
arrives in glory. This is the season where we pay attention to that question. The advent of the Lord is coming. His reign is near, and when he comes, there will be a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Robert didn't know I was going to say that, but he read that line so beautifully, where righteousness is at home. What would it look like for Christ to come again and see this righteousness here, already home? What would it look like if we changed our minds, repented of the systematic racism on which this country was founded and which continues to stain our hopes for a country of equal opportunity and equal justice for all people? What would it look like if we took seriously the command to care for the poor so that no child went to bed hungry, sleeping on a cardboard box on a winter night? What would it look like if we said no more to the inflammatory hate speech and tweets about our Muslim and Jewish sisters and brothers? And those people who risked their lives to bring their families to our country with the same hopes for safety and a good life that we all have. What would it look like if we just figured out how to live together? Repent, for the kingdom of God draws near. Perhaps while we are waiting, we can begin to make that road straight, make that ground even, level, an open vista of hope and welcome. I've seen signs of it happening already. On Monday morning, I was at a breakfast of the Concord Carlisle Human Rights Council. Many of you were there, many of our neighbors here in Concord and Carlisle. I learned a lot about Concord being a welcoming community and about some of the issues in our community that many good folks are working on. The MAN program, we feed people on the third Monday downtown in Boston. I know that we have an opportunity to do a new project for a bed for every child, which is coming in the spring. You'll have a chance to hear more about that. So we're doing it. We're starting. We're moving some of those rocks and some of those hills and some of that dirt that gets in the way of people having a smooth life, a good life. Let's keep doing it. Let us make the road straight. Let us welcome Christ as truly holy people, people who love one another, who see one another as fully human, with the divine spark in each one. The story that we're living in right now in our time, the story of racism and intolerance and greed and sexual predation by the powerful, this story is not over if we choose to write a different ending. 
John the Baptist tells us the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thought of his sandals. John's pointing ahead, pointing to the future, pointing beyond himself to Christ, to the powerful, humble Savior, to the one whose life, death, and resurrection saves us. That story is not over either. We will be redeemed in the end. But as our epistle writer tells us, while we are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish. Now me, without division, without racism, without poverty, without violence, without prejudice, without injustice. We can regard the patience of our Lord, the time that we're waiting for his coming, that patience, his patience, that's for us. So we have time to heal these things. That is the hope of our salvation.
young children come for an environment of enrichment and a safe place to be. And they have cooking lessons, and they have art projects, and they have help with reading and homework, and they go have swim lessons and computer time. And if you have someone in your life you want to honor, that neighbor that's friendly, someone who has too much stuff and doesn't want anything more, come see me after church in the reception hall, and you can purchase a card to give that person that says, I honor you, and in your name, someone at St. Stephen's is having an extra special day. I'm Charlie Stone, and I can only imagine with, with what eager anticipation you have all awaited the next edition of Stewardship Minutes. <laughs> so this morning I'm going to tell you a short story about a long journey. You see, my wife Polly and I have been at Trinity Church in Concord for less than 10 years. I think that still puts us in the category of newcomers. Before that, we were, for over 20 years, members of Trinity Church in Boston. And what attracted us to Boston was the preaching of Spencer Rice and Sam Lloyd, the music and the direction of Brian Jones, and last but not least, Skipjacks, the restaurant across the street, had lunch. We were commuter parishioners, other than an annual pledge. We didn't have much part in the day-to-day -day parish life. On Sunday mornings, we would give a polite nod to unnamed, familiar faces. And then something changed. Sam Lloyd left, went to the National Cathedral. Brian Jones moved on. And, not unimportantly, that restaurant skipjacks and closed. <laughs> we were in trouble. Molly, who would always hear from Morber Community Church, led the search for something different, found Trinity Concord, and shall I say she encouraged me to come. I did, and I was really quite astounded about the quality of the preaching and the music in the suburban church, and also the welcome we received here. Well, that welcome turned more into an embrace over time. Soon I got asked to be on committees and participate in activities, and this was not my thing. It's not something I was used to. I relished the anonymity of Trinity Church in Boston. <laughs> but I got involved. I got engaged. And now, years later, and many committees later, I can tell you that it's made all the difference. Community is such an important thing. And I feel a part of that now, and I hope it's not too presumptuous of me to say that I consider many of you friends all of you brothers and sisters in Christ. You've taught me an important lesson that community is a footstool to faith. It enriches your faith and allows you to reach higher. So through this involvement, of course, you build commitment. Commitment to see this thing called community not only sustained, but allowed to achieve its full potential to flourish. Commitment, of course, leads to giving. Giving not out of obligation or even out of a shared sense of responsibility, 
given willingly and gratefully. So my message this morning is twofold. First of all, thank you all for teaching an older guy a very new and important lesson that I had never experienced before. And to all of you that have pledged already to our stewardship campaign so generously, thank you. And for those of you that have yet to pledge, please give it your timely consideration. And when you do give, give joyfully, willingly,
good and joyful thing. Always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Because you sent your beloved Son to redeem us from sin and death and to make us heirs in him of everlasting life, that when he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may, without shame or fear, rejoice to behold the security. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Our Father, who art in 
God, for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving, knowing that all are welcome at God's table.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then you have fed us with spiritual food and sacrament of the body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. In the name of this congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We who are many are one body, because we all share one bread and one cup. May the sun of righteousness shine upon you and scatter the darkness from before your path. In the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 